Hi, welcome back finally to Till Death Do Us podcast, a podcast about marriage, murder with the Murrays. I'm Michelle Murray. And I'm Matt Murray. And how the fuck is everybody? Yeah, seriously, we took a week off accidentally. We took a little more than a week off. Yeah. I think um, with everything going on in our world right now, uh, emotionally, just we just needed a little, needed a little break. Yeah. My I'm, uh, I'm, my toast this week is going to be to my Celexa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually still working, uh, like at my place of work, so. Hmm, I don't know that one. Like I'm still <laughs> going in. Alexa apparently wanted in on this conversation. Um, I don't even feel like we said anything similar. Do yeah, we? I don't know. It. I don't know if you heard it, but it went. Hmm. I don't know that one. <laughs> oh, is it because you said Celexa? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm still working, so it's been it's been tough because I'm like one of like three people that is still working at my place of business right now. That's not remote. Yeah, it's a pain in the pain in the butt. Yeah, and I am not working, which is also a pain in the butt. Which is no, but I'm I I'm very 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 lucky, and um, there are so many people out there right now that you know are not and they've you know been laid off or they still have to go into like demanding jobs and you know i'm i'm very lucky i can't express that enough yeah my company has taken care of us i i feel i'll let you know in 30 days (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll see well that's just i mean my job's not going anywhere and that's comforting i mean i i job security right now is like huge yeah so i i we're very lucky yeah for sure um i hope everyone that's listening to this is just as lucky and that you're you know faring well staying safe this is insane but yeah yeah it's like the craziest thing yeah i hope there's ever some reprieve for you guys but yeah yeah it's weird like nothing in the entire history of my life has ever done this to the world yeah no it's crazy you look very creepy with just the light from your phone (laughs) shining up at your face it's very like ominous like i'm trying to set the mood fucking like are you afraid of the dark style like do you get some (laughs) they did not have cell phones no but they totally had like the creepy fucking lighting under their face that's true i'm sorry i have my phone open because um i put a post out i'm i'm sure you saw it but i put a post out a couple days ago asking you know um marriage and relationship tips and advice because we all need it more than ever right now i'm sure that um as much as you love your partner being with them this much is very um stressful yeah it can the struggle can be real yeah yeah i mean we don't have to deal with that because you go to work (laughs) right but like i could see being cooped up with each other for that long that's and tough. It I, is tough i mean that's it, i mean it's tough with anybody it's not just like a spousal thing right it's right. just like being in close quarters with friends anybody. or anybody yeah, for anybody. that amount of time without being able really to get a break from each other like a real break yeah you have no solo time yeah it's tough yeah so i asked some people for their advice so um should i read them all yeah sure okay. why not well mary said that her and her partner... Put- Alright, I just want to preface this, <laughs> because I read this one, and Mary, 
you're like my little sister, so I don't want you to like take any offense to this, but this is the fucking weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> you're so cute. But you're great. You're so cute. But so it says that her and her partner um, put their toothpaste on their toothbrushes for each other in the morning. Depending on which one's up first. Yeah. So if Mary wakes up first, she'll put um, the toothpaste on for Brittany and vice versa. And it's, that's cute. It's funny. (laughs) It's just like a very weird particular thing to pick. (laughs) Um, Monica's advice was just let it go, which I think is great and so important. Um, if it bothers you, say it and then let the shit go. We've been together 20 plus years and married for almost 10 and it seems to work for us. Yeah. And I think that's solid advice. I myself am one that needs to maybe take that advice because I don't let anything go. (laughs) I don't know. You do. You used to be way worse. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Is it my Selexa? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say yeah. I'm very thankful for that right now. I think I would be in a much different headspace throughout all this crazy pandemic. Yeah. If it wasn't for that. I think if it wasn't... No shame. I think if it wasn't for how much me and my dad have grown together, that I probably would still be in that mode of like, fuck you, no, I'm going to hold grudges, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just, I don't know, because me and my dad used to do that, but then, you know, we just got to the point where, you know, we were both adults enough where we could just like let stuff go and right. just, it became part of well, my person. Well, that's, um, I mean, that's essentially where you learn... Right. In a relationship, like, you you learn all of those things from your parents. Right. So, if you've grown in your relationship with your parents... You would... It's, you kind of just carry that over to the relationship you then have with your partner. Right. Because it just... I mean, that's just nurture. Right. So, when we have a fight and I stick my head in when you're pretending to sleep and I go, <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> every time. Every time. Every single time. But it works every time. <laughs> You do do it, too. You're like, I know. All right, I'm just going to say this. Listen. <laughs> um, and our friend Ryan said, be comfortable doing things alone together. So, for example, one plays video games while the other reads a book. Being able to enjoy each other's company without having to do something together is important. And I agree with that a thousand percent. Yeah, we live that, like, every day. Yeah. I mean, not only just between us, but, like, between, you know, with the kids, too. Like, yeah. I... Love them very much, but I don't always want to play with Gavin. Like, I'm cool if he's sitting here playing a video game and I'm sitting there listening to a podcast. I still feel like we're together, Mm -hmm. but like we're doing our own thing. I I feel like you and I, thankfully, we like similar similar stuff. stuff. I'm not going to watch wrestling with you. That's fine. But like, I'll sit here and play on my phone while you have wrestling on. Yeah, right. So... But that's, that's the important part, right? Is that like, yeah. I mean, I think even since the beginning of our relationship, we've kind of done that, mm-hmm. but also we've also found things that we're both interested in. You know what I mean? Right. Like board games is like a big crossover for us where, you know, we can both enjoy some board games, even though you don't like learning new games. I just get very stressed out <laughs> when I don't know things. <laughs> But now it's you've even stressful. crossed over to start playing more video games than probably you have in like 10 just, years. I was just going to say that this quarantine has definitely shown me that there are video games out there that I like. Yeah, like Detroit. Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah. I'm like, I think I'm already going to start it again to see how I can manipulate the story. Yeah, you're a weirdo. Why? Right away? Yeah, because I need to remember the choices I just made. I guess that's true. How can I, how can I play it in a couple of months and not... 
And you'll like, forget, no. like, everything you did. Somebody on the, um, what is the website? Game? Dual screens? No. Game stuff. Is it game stuff? Or Proven Gamer. Proven Gamer. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But somebody posted the other day, they were like, should I play Detroit again? And I wanted to, like, comment and be like, I just started playing it. But I thought you'd make fun of me. Why Why would I make fun of you? I don't know. <laughs> She's not a real gamer. What are you doing on this thread? What? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to call you out and be like, she's a fake gamer girl. <laughs> she just started. God. No, your opinion, about it, though. your opinions are valid. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was, at, he was specifically. You've played more of that game than I have. That's true. I finished it. You finished it. But he was, he was specifically asking um, if he should play it again, like how different the stories are. Yeah. And everyone was like, do it. Like, it's so different. So, I mean, if you look at my progress, no, I, I completed the game, but I really only did like 30%. So. Right. Go do it again. I'm going to do it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, our friend Lauren said, remember that you and your spouse are different people. It's okay to disagree or have different interests. You don't have to be synced, which again, 100% agree. Yeah. Hopefully these things can help you guys um, not kill your partners. Yeah. Very important. I don't have a tip myself this week because i stole them from other people right <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean like that's where being collaborative yeah it's a community we're communal oh okay yeah yeah we're, we're not like the it's not like we're like the you know we're not like these super knowledgeable people about this we're all living this together you know like we're just we're all trying to share communal knowledge of how to be awesome at marriage right yeah yeah we're not the overseers of how marriage works. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably learn a thing or two. Yeah, I hope so. All right. You want to bring it down a notch? Let's bring it down a notch. Real low. How low? It's pretty low. It's pretty low. Yeah. We're up at like a 10 right now. Where are we going? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's murder. Okay. So. An 11. Oh, I went up. You went up. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem with coming down. Yeah, you gotta go down. All right, so what are, what are we talking about today? So, we are talking about um, a murder. <laughs> <laughs> so there was like so much information on this. Holy crap! So I actually first heard it, this story myself, um, in a podcast, and that's why we drink. If you don't listen to them, listen to them. They're fucking hysterical. I love them. I'm super sad that they were going to be coming to Boston next month, and it got canceled because of the pandemic. But anyways... It's very sad. Listen to that. They actually did a crossover episode with Wine and Crime, who I don't really listen to. Um, but And that's why we drink is great, so check them out. And then um, there was also a book, Poison Dreams, by A.W. Gray, which I skimmed a little bit. I didn't read the whole thing. A movie called death in small doses oh boy which like i think is such a cool name i don't know if it's so cheesy that i love it is this a very is it a slow poisoning um it is a death in small doses okay so. all right okay what do you infer by that it's just, it's just <laughs> a lot of small just little amounts of poison every day so in the movie it would start um richard thomas who played the guy with the stutter in it okay and it had tess harper who is Jesse's mom in Breaking Bad. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, as soon, when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, I know this lady. I had to look it up, but as soon as I looked it up, I was like, it's Jesse's mom. Um, and then there was also a Forensic Files episode, which is where I got a lot of my information. Um, season 19, episode 10. And then The Perfect Murder, season 3, episode 10, which I'm going to have to start watching that. Yeah, I guess so. It was the worst, like dramatization i've ever seen like oh, yeah. oh my god it was so bad <laughs> like terrible shitty black and white angles and no just like the acting yeah as they're like you know redoing it oh yeah and, oh, it was it was so bad <laughs> it was so bad it made it good yeah right so all right nancy dillard was born august 6th 1953 she was the daughter of a wealthy commercial real estate tycoon in dallas texas he was known by everyone as Big Daddy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, like, their family called him Big Daddy. Like, everyone just called Where him was this? Big Daddy. It's Texas. Yeah. Hey there, Big Daddy. <laughs> exactly what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the Perfect Murder episode that I was watching, they literally would be like, and then Big Daddy felt that this blah, blah, blah. Like, they didn't even say his name. I don't even know his name. That's really weird. <laughs> they just called him Big Daddy. Just anonymous. Mm-hmm. Hey there, Big Daddy, you're going to do some murder today. <laughs> so this, he was a real estate tycoon, so like loaded. Okay. So Nancy grew up, um, you know, very rich. Like she lived the country club style kind of life. Um, but it didn't spoil her. She was still very hardworking. She always did well in school. And she went on to graduate um, and went to Harvard for landscape architecture. There she met Richard. Richard was born April 22nd, 1957, so he was younger than her. He was raised in a middle-class family, lived a fairly normal life. His dad was an insurance agent, mom was a teacher's aide, like, pretty opposite from the life that Nancy had lived. Right. This, as soon as they met, they were just never apart. They just, you know, at Harvard, they teamed up on all of their projects together, um, it was described that Nancy always had all the ideas and Richard had the speedy execution. So, like, they were just a really good team in school. Okay. They actually spent um, so much time together that they started to, like, do each other's projects. So they specifically learned how to um, match their handwriting. Wow. So That's a level of commitment. Yeah. So, like, she could turn in some reports for him and he could turn in some for her. And, you know, they they made sure they could write identical. Wow. That's weird. Yeah. It's but I wish weird. someone could have written identical for me. <laughs> I would have had them do all my work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> That's genius. Ne I mean, neither of us were doing like thesis level college work ever in our no, lives. So no. I don't know if we really needed that. I mean, maybe I could have gotten there. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, if someone work for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could have gone to college if someone else did all the work. Although this was back in the day when, like, you did have to handwrite everything. Right. Like, I mean, it was the 80s, so they probably, I mean, they probably could some... have still had typewriters. Well, no, but, like, there probably were some computers, too, just not, you probably couldn't hand in assignments that way. Right. Yeah. We have a big class of, like, 20 kids. They all can't get to that one computer in the library. <laughs> <laughs> that Apple IIe is really just <laughs> constantly on... In 1982, shortly after graduating, they married and they moved to Dallas, where Big Daddy set them up. They found a duplex in Park City area. I know, it's just funny. It is, I just I can't. I don't know his name, though. Big Daddy. <laughs> 
Nancy quickly finds a management position with a prestigious Trammell Crow company, um, a commercial property developer. She eventually works her way up to partner at the young age of 29, which is, like, unheard of. So mm-hmm. she's, like, super up and coming in the business, everyone. Right. You know, she's doing very, very well for herself. Richard signs on as a project manager with another real estate firm. By 1990, they had two daughters. Of course, on the outside, they had a beautiful marriage. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, that's always, always what they say. They just look, you know, so they happy. were the best couple. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, st- like, oddly sterile from yeah. the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was great until the stock market crash of 1988 and Richard lost his job. Like all other stories, situations like this cause strain on the marriage, and per usual, the husband steps out. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. He's stepping out. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Because he lost his job. Is it stepping out when it's, when it's a dude, or is that just a lady thing? No, it's both. It's both? Yeah. All right, I don't know. You're so naive. I am. I don't know what stepping out is. <laughs> I already taught you. No, I know what it is now, but I didn't know if it was just, like, applicable to women or not. Like no, if it's... Like, it's some, called it's, something else. It just means you're having an affair. Yeah. Would you prefer if I said that? I mean, you could A lot say... of my stories have affairs. Yeah. Do just pr- affairs lead to murder. Right. Uh, no matter the way it goes. <laughs> I, I think we should just stick with stepping out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's how I like it. Yeah, I know. To describe it. Just stepping out. Yeah. <laughs> in September of 1989, Richard began an affair with his co-worker, Tammy Ann Gaysford. One day, Richard returned from a business trip, and Nancy began to question him on their bank statements that had arrived while he was gone. There was a purchase of a necklace, and... Why would you do that? Right. So, in, like, the Perfect Murder episode, it was so fun. Like, not funny. It's not a funny situation. But, um, like, them, their dramatization of it... She was like, and I, you know, saw that you had bought a necklace, but, like, I don't have any necklaces. And he was like, yeah, because I didn't buy it for you. (laughs) He was like, I bought it for Tammy, and it looks great on her. And then, like, she slaps him, and it was, like, oh, it was so cheesy. I really hope that's not how it went down, because, like, poor lady, that's so shitty. That's awful. Yeah, that's right, because it ain't for you. (laughs) It's for Tammy. Why I'd never. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start doing the dramatizations alone. Like yeah. solo dramatizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Whatever, a perfect murder. I'll start writing the script. Please do. Okay. All right. <laughs> so he came clean about the affair. Nancy told Big Daddy and the rest of her family about the affair. And she was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. Right. Like, tell me, like, should I end my marriage? What's happening? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. So in the summer of 1990, she filed for divorce, and Richard moved out. I'm not sure if he moved in with Tammy or not. I couldn't find that information. I mean, if you're buying a necklace for a woman named Tammy. Yeah. You're probably going to move in with her, right? Yeah. Yeah. So one night, um, a few months later, Nancy found a gift basket on her doorstep. So the gift basket was like, you know, a bottle of wine and there was um, a bottle of vitamins in it and it was just like a friendly gift basket. Like she thought that someone had just sent this to her and there was a note in it and the note said to one great lady. So she drank the wine Mm -hmm. and got like super sick. Very, very sick. So um, Richard 
decided he needed to move home to help her because she was so sick and she, you know, supposedly like couldn't... she she got like long term sick from it. Well, so she got sick that night from the bottle of wine, and right. then there was the bottle of vitamins in there, so she was taking the vitamins as well and was just getting like very sick. So you... he... what? Like as a person, you can't do that math. I mean, you would think so. <laughs> She's a Harvard graduate. <laughs> I know, but like, so like seriously, like, come on. Ugh. That now seems so silly. Now we're victim blaming. I know. But it's for terrible. real, don't drink random bottles of yeah. wine that show up on your door. I mean, I guess, yeah, now I feel like a jerk. But like, <laughs> I mean, come on. like Yeah, don't do that. Like you're sick after drinking this weird wine and eating these vitamins that came to your door. Yeah. Maybe don't take them. Don't do it. So he decided, um, you know, they reconciled a little bit. He was going to move in to help her, mm-hmm. you know, because she was struggling and um, taking care of the girls and working so much and um, being so sick often. Was she like know. single parenting it? Yeah. Pretty much? Yeah. He I mean, she, like had, she had her family. But she was like, he was like totally out of the picture at this um, time. I mean, they had joint custody. He saw them a little bit. But not, pretty much she was the primary yeah. caretaker. Yeah. Okay. Um. So he de- they decided to reconcile a little bit, and he moved back home. Mm-hmm. So one time they had, like, a date night, and they went out to the movies, and he had got her a soda. And the soda tasted really funny to her, and there was, like, a white substance all over the lid. And she drank, like, most of it, and then that night got, like, really, really sick again. So she started getting suspicious. I would, too. And, um... You know, started telling, like, her friends and the attorney that she had hired when she had initially filed for divorce that she was concerned that her husband was poisoning her. So, um, after that, um, incident with the soda... Yep. And, you know, she started telling people, obviously, Richard did not think this was happening fast enough. So... Shortly after midnight on January 9th, 1991, Richard knocked on their neighbor, neighbor Gail Golden's door with a baby monitor and asked if she could watch the girls while he rushed Nancy to the hospital. She was experiencing violent vomiting and diarrhea. The neighbor, of course, said yes. Right. Um, so she took the no, baby. no idea what was actually going on. Yeah, she had no idea. Yeah. She took the um, baby monitor and said that she would watch the girls and, you know, watched, watched, watched Richard put Nancy in the car, and rushed Nancy to the hospital. So Gail actually wrote an article in Texas Monthly called The Killer Next Door, describing the events of that night and what it was like to live next to the Lions for many years. And it's actually a pretty good article. Hmm. So, like, this was a duplex. So, like, literally they, like, oh, shared, they shared a wall. A wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... That's the name of so many murder killer things. Next door. Yeah, that's, like, I know. the most generic name you could possibly come up with it's something true. for that. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's not as, as cool as death in small doses. It's not. Yeah, no. Yeah. Although that kind of does give away the... Like, I I mean, I knew it was about poisoning, like, right away. Yeah. <clears throat> Gave it right away. What else would it be? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Nancy's health was not improving, and she fell into a coma. Without consulting any family members, Richards decided to terminate life support, and on January 14th, 1991, Nancy passed away. Holy shit. Could you fucking imagine? How mad you would be? Yeah. Like, if... Could you imagine if something happened to me? Like, obviously you're not going to poison me. No. But, like, if something happened to me, and, like, 
you were thinking of taking me off life support, which is what I would want, by the way. I don't want to be on life support. That's crazy. But, like, and then you just did it without talking to, like, yeah, no. our kids or my mom, our yeah, sister. that's like, very weird. That's so insane. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it just, I mean, is the most direct, like, link to an ulterior motive oh, that I could possibly exactly. think of. Exactly. Like, your spouse, even if they were divorced still and reconciling, right? is like dying right. or in a coma and you're not going to consult or like need consoling mm-hmm. from somebody in your immediate family. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's very crazy. So immediately big daddy became suspicious. Of course he did. Yeah. And went to the cops and was like, you, you know, you need to check him out. And big daddy um, did. Yeah. Big daddy, <laughs> big daddy was like, you need to check out the husband. Yeah. And, you know, it's very weird that he didn't talk to any of us. And, you know, to, why are you laughing? I just can't handle the fact that this dude's name, just like in all accounts, <laughs> like we can't find out what his name is. It I just, feel like I probably could have looked up, I probably could have searched a little but bit harder, I just, but they called him Big Daddy and everything. I know, but like, so you you have like four different sources in, all the, in all the sources you have. Are, <laughs> like this dude is just Big Daddy. And like, they just totally go along. Like, yeah, no, like, and so Big Daddy, right? He like went to the cops and like he was really concerned and they were like big daddy i know you're really concerned but we can't do anything and big daddy was like please and they were like big daddy you know what we got you <laughs> like i don't know he just liked <sighs> to be called that i'm sure he did <laughs> <laughs> so he went to the cops and he was like check out richard and he um they originally weren't going to do a toxicology report which doesn't make any sense to me for someone coming in with symptoms like vomiting and diarrhea and like excruciating pain right so he demanded that they did a toxicology report and obviously when it came back nancy had 100 times the fatal dosage of arsenic in her system holy shit but they also found arsenic on her hands which puts doubt in their minds that that she was poisoned well it was on her fingertips so immediately they're like how do we know that she didn't poison herself hmm. if it's on her hands? Um, but scientists, which is crazy for 1991, I feel, yeah. um, actually your hair is an indicator of how long you've been poisoned with arsenic. So they like cut her hair in like, I think it was like two centimeter increments and it actually can like map out how long you've been poisoned. Hmm. So they... It's really interesting. So like they can see in the length of hair, the concentration of arsenic in her system at that time. And, like, it all coincides with times that her and Richard were, like, reconciling. They were together. Yeah. Yep. So, like, they looked at, like, the bottom of her hair and there was nothing. And then, you know, they mapped out the date and was like, this is when Richard moved back in and, you know. This is where the arsenic started showing up. Yeah, yeah. And the other, so they did find that the other attempts um, of him trying to, poison her were not arsenic he had tried um barium carbonate i think was one of them and yeah so the wine and the the vitamins and everything and on the soda so all that so richard knew that as the husband he would immediately be suspect number one obviously of course because the husband always did it yeah right so he had like ample amounts of evidence ready for his defense. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> the 
Because he and Nancy had perfected each other's handwriting back in college, a lot of this wow. stuff... Yeah, a lot of this stuff was very hard to prove. So, one was um, a diary that Nancy had supposedly kept, and a lot of the information in her diary alluded to incest between her and her brother, mm-hmm. and um, kind of... Kind of putting it in investigators' minds that, like, maybe she was traumatized and did, you know, commit suicide. Or right. maybe she was, was going to tell by, people. But this was written by Richard? Well, yes. But nobody But nobody knew for a while right. because their handwriting was so similar. Right. So, um, you know, he wanted it to seem like maybe it was the brother or maybe it was suicide. So there was also um, a note... Another effort came in the form of a threatening note that Nancy supposedly had received anonymously about a trial she was soon to testify in about an old partner who allegedly embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars from Trammell Crow. So, like, the the firm Firm that she worked at. Yeah, the real estate firm that she was a partner at. Right. um, She was going to have to testify in this whole case. So they killed... Yeah. Yeah. So it was determined that he had written the note as well. So the third piece of evidence that was forged and that they had to determine was not by Nancy um, was a receipt for the arsenic. And that one was a little bit harder for them to say that it wasn't hers because there was actually like a purchase order with her signature on it. Right, but it was actually his. So they went to the chemical engineering company that it was bought at and the... They were like, this literally isn't even our receipts. Like, not only did he just forge this name, but like but he made up this thing. entire receipt. Wow. Yeah. So thankfully that was helpful. So finally, all of those. Um, How did they determine like the diary and stuff? How, hand, the hand, other handwriting analysis. So just like it wasn't perfect enough. Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe, you know, maybe somebody, maybe she crossed her T the right way and like he crossed his teeth the left way. way like right. you yeah. know what i mean yeah. something something so simple and like you wouldn't, you wouldn't think, about think of it unless you're like have it under a microscope in front of your face right and you're a handwriting analysis. yeah yeah um so luckily you know all of those got squashed and then he was like oh you know what i do remember buying that arsenic i had fire ants in my yard <laughs> so you know, I that I got it. I had fire ants in my yard, yes. and I wanted to poison my wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, two birds with one stone. Yeah, you know. Yeah. None that, of it worked. That old adage, you know. Mm-hmm. None of it worked. Thank God he was arrested. During the trial, it came to light that Nancy had hired a divorce attorney who she had confided in about feeling as if her husband might be poisoning her. I had already said that. Um, but to top it all off, she had quietly removed him as beneficiary from her $500,000 life insurance. When there's a murder, there's always life insurance. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you can bet on that. Yeah. Tammy actually testified that Richard had told her that Nancy had died from a rare blood condition. Mm. So she didn't take him back. She was like, no thanks. Probably a good call. Yeah. Yep. On December 19th, 1991, after only three hours of deliberation, the jury found Richard guilty of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Eligible eligible for parole in 2006, he was denied with no explanation. 
His most recent review on February 3rd, 2016 was also denied and specified the reasons as elements of brutality, violence, and conscious selection of victims' vulnerability. They said he posed a continued threat to public safety. Hmm. So that's good. You should keep him there. Yeah. I mean, that's that's interesting because you would think that a lot of people who probably are up for parole would meet that criteria. Right? Like, that a lot like, of people would meet it? Yeah. Well, that's crazy because... Would, would, would meet the criteria for staying behind bars is what I mean. Like, the criteria is like, oh, uh, he was manipulative mm-hmm. uh, in like the worst way possible and still poses a public threat to other people he could interact with. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty vague definition. Not that he should have gotten out, but that's a pretty vague definition that you would assume that if that's part of gaining parole is not fulfilling those criteria... That like a ton of people who yeah. probably have gotten parole meet that criteria as well. So it's kind of weird. I feel like it depends on the situation, I guess. Because yeah. like I would think that somebody who just murdered their wife would be more eligible than somebody who like murdered random ass people. Yeah, Do you totally. know what I mean? Because yeah. like I, I do feel it's still considered like a crime of passion although right. i guess it wasn't out of anger it was more like i want your money to yeah have and i mean a new life he also kind of took the extra step of you know like trying to f- falsify Cover documents yeah, yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. shit yeah that's true that's true so it was 100 percent like more planned yeah than a crime of passion yeah so yeah i get it but uh, but still it, it did surprise me saying that he posed a continued threat to like public safety right because you wouldn't think that yeah so, um, his next chance for parole is 2021. Mm-hmm. He'll be 64. He still denies he murdered his wife. He applied to the Innocent Project of Texas and New York, the Thurgood Marshall School of Innocence, and the House of Renewed Hope. They have all denied to take on his case. Can I ask what a school of innocence is? Um, it is where they essentially open up, like, not, not cold cases they open up like closed cases yeah for um defendants that they believe are innocent it just it sounds like you know religious the house of innocence well no it just sounds like somewhere you go to learn how to pretend to be innocent like (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) Uh, judge thurgood's school of how not to seem as guilty as you did when you got convicted (laughs) (laughs) thought it was at that's first what it sounded like <laughs> how to sound like you're an I mean, innocent man that's why i asked innocence for dummies <laughs> yeah innocence for dummies exactly that's i don't know that's weird yeah no so it the innocence project is um you know if if they feel like people have been wrongly convicted right and they look into the case and they're like oh yeah this looks uh pretty shady like um the memphis three right right, right. yeah stuff like that so. yeah i don't know it just the i mean those sound like things where you would try to prove your innocence whereas like the school of innocence sounds like some weird fucking acting class that you go to <laughs> yeah well maybe so maybe it's students yeah right right right, right. like law students trying to open cold cases or yeah. not cold cases like you said uh, convictions yeah like they're they not like doing they're... it like they're not doing it it's pro bono essentially so right is well, what i assume that was fucking weird. That's yeah. an interesting one. Yeah. The handwriting and stuff is pretty crazy. I know. Like that that came back full circle. Right. Like, so like they were forging each other's, 
you know, yeah, all like, reports. oh, look, we can do this. Yeah, we can do this. Wow, <laughs> like, you're really good at this. Like, you should forge this. And mm-hmm. then it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're you, going to murder me. Yeah, you're going to murder me. Yeah. Well, I'm just grateful that, like, she had the sense to take him off of her life insurance. Yeah. Like, because you assume that, like, she knew about the affair and she took him back. Right. Why would you take him off the life insurance if you're reconciling? Well, when you know? did, did it? Did they give a date for when that happened? No. So I wonder if it happened prior Before. to the reconciliation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and she's, you know, I think kind of, uh, you know, fool me once, shame on me kind of deal where right. you're off. I, you're off. Yeah. You know, that's it. Just like, always make it to your children. There you go. <laughs> that works. Although it, <clears throat> we watched Knives Out recently, and that really did not work oh out. Oh my god, that was so good. <clears throat> Highly recommend that movie. That's another thing that's uh, positive about this uh, quarantine, is we're getting a lot of our shows done. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, we're watching Westworld again. Yeah, oh, so good. So we've started the second season of Westworld now, like, yeah. five times, and this is the only time that it's, like, stuck. And it's because I think... That the first season of Westworld is one of the most perfect seasons of TV that's ever been. And I don't want anything to ruin it. It was so good. Yeah. And the second season has been pretty good. It's been okay. But it still has... You didn't love all that, like, Japanese? I fucking loved it. I was super into that. Yeah. It was great. But, like, compared to how compelling the, you know, the discussion about what is alive... In the first season? I do feel like the first season had more, like, no way Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, well, and then just, like, it really did. I mean, I guess you're kind of getting some of that now, right? It's like, what does it actually mean to be alive? Yeah. Right? Like, that's, like, my favorite part about the show. Like, I said this before. Like, I can go to any, you know, generic section in, like, a sci-fi section in, like, a movie store and find fucking 300 movies about robots fighting humans. But, like, what you don't get a lot is, like, this discussion or, like, long-form discussion because it's a series as opposed to a movie mm-hmm. about, like, hey, wh- where do you cross over between, like, being alive and not being alive and, like, right. being programmed and stuff like that. And that's what I really loved about the first one, especially towards the end. And, uh, and if you're into that, you can also play Detroit. <laughs> that's true because it's all about that shit. But, um, you know, they're starting to dig back into that uh, yeah. now. So hopefully it finishes off well on the third season picks picks yeah. it up but so quarant- quarantine has been um quarantine tv quarantine tv seriously <laughs> our electricity bill is gonna be through the roof we've run the goddamn tv this is like this recording this right now is probably one of the first times our tv's been off when we're not all asleep oh my god we sound so bad yeah but like what do you i mean what do you do in a time like this you can't yeah. do anything else yeah play play some video games Read some books. Yeah. We read we, we books. We play board games. Yeah. But somebody has the TV on. Right. One of us out of One four of us. Of us. Out of yeah. four of us has mm-hmm. it on at all times. Yeah. It's true. It's crazy. Also, it's having a 12-year-old and a almost two-year-old in a quarantine is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Trying to keep them both busy. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's just as difficult with, like, much younger kids and older kids, but, like, the, the, the variance in age yeah. is just, like... Gav, Gav is a super good kid, and he's handling it really well, but it's just, like, you can tell he's getting antsy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there, everyone. Yep. We'll get through it. Yeah. And we'll be, you know, we'll, we took the week off, but we're not planning to take any more no. time off from no. here on out. 
It was just like an absolutely exhausting week. I just, yeah, emotionally, I just needed a little time. Yeah. Um, to go from one depressing life experience to, <laughs> to another depressing life stories, stories. Although I still find them intriguing and, you know, that's that has been my... Um, reprise from this craziness is sitting and listening to my podcast murder podcast yeah, yeah. but um because it does just kind of get your mind off of everything else yeah but yeah i, I just needed <laughs> it's like somebody else's life is terrible not mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that's uh human nature yeah there's a whole there's a whole song um there's a whole song about that in the musical avenue q oh really yeah <laughs> Like, hey, your life is terrible. Yeah, about how funny, exactly. Like, literally about how funny it is to, like, make fun of other people's pain because it makes you feel better about yours. I mean, it's it's true, unfortunately. (laughs) It is. I mean, it's just human nature. You can't help it. Yeah. It's just, that's just the way it is. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this little reprieve from your lives. We need to do our toasts. Oh, shit. Do you have have one? Fuck no. My toast isn't really going to be to my Celexa. (laughs) (laughs) But I am, like... Very fucking grateful to it right now because I think my head would be in a much different, different space right now. Um, my toast is just to humanity right now. I yeah. mean, there's so many people doing everything they can. I mean, I just reached out to, um, you know, a friend was sewing masks, right? And you know, she gave me some for my father in law, your dad, and. Yep. You know, that just the kindness of that is so great. And then another friend today was giving away a whole box of gloves. And, you know, the help that people are giving is is definitely the bright side of all of this. Because you're seeing things that, like, you don't. Although there are those assholes that... Yeah. You know, what's funny is uh, there have been a few people quoted as saying um, that how companies react right now... Oh, yeah. Uh, will kind of determine the public's perception of them mm-hmm. for, like, decades to come. hundred percent. And, yeah, I mean, it's totally true. This, like, entire thing is entirely unprecedented. Yeah. And just, you know, like you were saying, the coolest part is not necessarily seeing, like, these shitty companies toss their employees to the fucking curb. Yeah. But, you know, the companies that are kind of rising up and saying, like, we know you guys need help and we'll give you help. And then just, like, the people. Like, you know, like... The people helping each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just a very... You, it's it's really nice to see people give help when people really need help. Right. Right. But no, 100% on those companies like Victoria's Secret that are trying to say that they're essential. Are I will they? not shop there anymore yeah. when I get skinny. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're well on your way. Thanks. Yeah. My toast is to... All of the 30-something-year-olds right now that have to treat their parents like fucking teenagers mm. and force them to stay in the house, yeah. right? Because when <laughs> we were teenagers, all our parents were yelling at us not to go out and party. And now we have to do the same to them and tell them to stay the fuck home. Mm-hmm. You can't go out. You're grounded. Yeah. Because if you don't stay home, you're gonna die. So it's a little different. Yeah. Just... So to all the thirty-somethings year year olds out there dealing with that, here's well, a toast and 40s. to you. And forties, and twenties. You think? I don't know. They're they're the ones that are like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go I'm gonna to go Florida. Spring, spring break. <laughs> well, 
Cool. Well, so, yeah, we're glad to be back. And, uh, you know, again, follow us on our social media accounts on Insta and at Facebook. At Till Death Do Us Podcast on Instagram. Yep. At Till Death Do Us Podcast on Facebook. Please interact with me more. I'm very bored at home. <laughs> um, I have a lot of time. Yeah, feel free to post <laughs> things to the group as long as they're yeah. <laughs> relatively relatable. Yeah, our email is tilldeathtoespodcast at gmail.com. Um, please rate, 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 review. Yeah, uh, um, you know, Sp- Apple. Spotify, Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on iHeartRadio now. Um, you know, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, we're on all those things. The Apple reviews are really where it counts because the more reviews and, you know, more uh, just ratings in general that we have, uh, it gets us in front of more people. Mm-hmm. So it would be good if you guys could Heck do that. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, do you have anything to close out? Um, no. I'm good. Yeah. You good? I'm good. All right. Well, so for Till Death Do Us podcast, I'm Matt. I'm Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Did you forget what your name was? No, I just didn't know you were doing that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, we'll see you next week. And hey, don't murder each other. (laughs) Bye. Bye.